Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Hey everyone, welcome back to Absurdity. I am excited, like I am for every single episode, so just get used to hearing me say I'm excited for today's episode, because today we're talking about something uh, super, super controversial, uh, and it's not even, well, actually, surprisingly, I guess it is spiritually controversial as well. Uh, I was going to say it's only, it's mainly political, but this is, this is kind of entangled. Uh, and, and entangled both. So I'm excited to jump into this, which if you're listening to this, you probably already looked at the title, so I don't really have to introduce it. But we're going to be talking about immigration, which is not a hot button topic at all whatsoever in any realm or any way whatsoever. No, Tony, wouldn't you wouldn't you agree? No, I mean, it's like I think the real issue is uh, how to spell it. I think that's really what people are mostly fighting about. It's not at all. This isn't a worldwide issue that all countries have to deal with and struggle with. And yeah, no, not, not at all. No, not, this is this is a totally unique issue, and this is the first time that we have ever had to deal with it ever in the history of the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yep. Yeah. So yep. great. That sure. now that we have that wonderful introduction to this non-controversial, <laughs> very easy to talk about topic. I feel like um, I feel like we we need to we need to do like a really light and easy one. Like that's got to be our next episode. It's just one that's like, hey, we're gonna talk about flowers. <laughs> Everyone loves flowers, and then that'll be the one that people. Cl- I have allergies. You guys like that'll be the one that launches yeah, us. Exactly. That'll be the just one that gets light all the controversy. And like yeah. everything else is like, yeah, no, we're with you on that. And then we'll do something like, I think honeybees are not. And then someone's like, my dad was bit by a honeybee or something. Yep, that's exactly how it'll work. Yep, like almost to the T is that when we're not <laughs> trying to be controversial, that's when we get that's when we get uh, angry emails and letters. I, I feel and, like that's just life, isn't that kind of it? Like yeah. you're just trying to live life, and in those moments, like I know my mom only thinks I'm funny when I just say like random stuff. Like I have no idea how to make her laugh because if I try to be funny, I'm like, hey, what about this? She's like, uh huh, and then I'll be like, oh man, my head itches, and she's like, what? Oh no! Like she just thinks like I and I have no idea what I just said. I'm like I I like I really wasn't trying there, and she's like it's just so funny, but you're not trying. I'm like I, but that does no help to me. Like that is literally no help to me because I can't replicate it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's kind of life though. Like you you say something that's not controversial. Um, Pat Oswalt does this bit about uh, KFC, and he literally says it was just that he saw this uh, the the. The what was the little the bowls like that you can take away or whatever and he just thought it was kind of funny that they just shove all the food into one thing he's like America doesn't care anymore and that was the one he's like I do all these different bits about like really controversial stuff and race and and social you know discrepancy but the one I did about KFC breakfast bowls that's the one that got away like <laughs> got yeah, letters exactly. and sponsors and like. <laughs> All right, and that's it. You hear, you heard it here first. Next episode, we're talking about flowers. Um, right. I bet you we could make that intentionally controversial. I, I bet you we could, dude. We're pastors; we could absolutely do that. There's a there's it's a kind sermon of our in job, there. isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Everything you say, we can respond with. There's a sermon in there somewhere. 
Uh, that's the that's, title of my book. I, you know what it was going to be? I'm, I'm going to have to switch it now because I found out there are like five books that are written on exactly that. I know. I was Everything so Everything is a remix. Everything uh, yeah. is a remix. There is nothing new under the sun. All right, so let's jump into immigration because that's the easiest topic in the world to jump into. So immigration has come up recently as this kind of, it, it's, I mean, it hasn't necessarily been recent. It's kind of been the entire, one of the entire platforms for this, for the Trump administration, right? So um, it's been a main thing on on dealing with immigrants and, and getting rid of illegal immigrants and things like that. Okay, fine. That's not a big deal. But I mean, it is. But what I'm saying is the reason that immigration became such a huge deal outside of just a campaign platform is because of the families being separated at the border, which happened, what, two months ago? A month ago now? A month and a half? Somewhere yeah, in there? Like somewhere in there. Yeah. I think it's like um, a month, six weeks. It yeah. feels like a year and a half. Yeah, I Everything, know. Everything that's everything happened in the last... 2016 feels like forever ago. Dude, just, just look at like the list of people that have either fired or quit the Trump administration or the White House... And the, since I, Trump took office, and you're like, that looks like a list over like like a decade or no, two. like literally, yeah, like it, it literally. I think that's why it feels so long. Is because, like, even in the Bush administration, there was a lot that went down, and but it was spaced out. Like you had 9/11, then in 2004 you had you know invasion of Iraq, and it, like you had all these things, but they were spaced out. I, I feel like in the first year and a half of the of the Trump presidency, it's like holy, like there's no way to gauge. The different controversies. Yeah, it's no, not like at all. a week. In a week, you have three like monumental, should be life changing things, and it's crazy. Well, like this isn't about that, but like immigration, like immigration. This this could and should, in other presidencies, be a like four year, uh, what's it called, term defining moment. But he's had like nine term yeah. defining moment like the Mueller uh, controversy and the tariffs and North Korea and like all these things where it's like I have no reference point to when something is I, I this was six weeks ago it was eight years ago I have no idea well I, I remember Reddit after a Scaramooch Scaramucci Scaramucci is that yeah the Mooch you can just call him the Mooch, the Mooch? yeah um, after he got fired Reddit started was, was measuring he? He was fired. Or he quit after he quit. I forget. One of those. After he left. After he this was is no longer. Day, I think we need like a list of news articles here. Uh, after he quit or was fired, whatever it was, um, Reddit started tracking the Trump, like the Trump administration years and his presidency in. They called it mooches, and it's literally one mooch <laughs> is equal to the amount of time that Scaramucci was... Yeah, because it was, like, was, really fast, wasn't it? Was, it? it was 10 days, I think. Yeah. It was yeah. 10 days. So that so now anytime something happens, they're like, it's only been 21.3 Scaramucci's. Which, which makes sense in the business world. Like, in the business world, things happen so fast. Like, that's not crazy. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, someone working for you for 10 days is not out of the realm of possibility. But, like, for, for normal people, they're like, wait, what? Yeah. Now... Even in sports, that's like, wait, what? Like, I want to be, I, I, I want to be clear in that. At least for me, it's not necessarily. I'm not anti-Trump. I'll praise him if I see that he does something good that I agree with. Like I have no problem doing that. Um, and and I don't know that our intention on this podcast, even though we've talked about Trump, is to like just bash Trump the entire time. Um, we haven't said anything that wasn't like factually. I was going to say, I don't think we've um, bashed <laughs> him we've so joked far. about it, but we haven't we said anything that of, was like yeah, terribly like, untrue. Negative. It's just. Um, he fires a lot of people. Uh, yeah, like it's not. I mean, what Scott Pruitt resigned yesterday from the EPA, uh, or and that was so. It, we're recording this on July sixth, so there you go. Like things just happen. Yeah, and we're not saying we're not on here to say anti-Trump, down with Trump. But Christianity, I think, has this long history of being involved in politics, and I don't mean partisan politics. Christianity in its in its in the Bible seems to really uh, really harp on on the political structure and, and, and the governments of the world. And it's not a, we should vote for this or vote for that, but it's a, they, Christianity tends to speak out when they see injustices happening. That's kind of how that happens. So um, we're not here to be partisan necessarily. We're not going to tell you to vote blue or red, but we are going to talk about this because A, we're citizens of the U.S. 
So we have a right to talk about it. Uh, and B, uh, because we're Christians and that's what we do. So that's part of what we that do. Was, that was a really weird sound effect. That was me whooping, but it was supposed to be like, whoop, whoop. But it just kind of came out as like, whoop. So yeah, I, I apologize for that. Yeah. That's no, pretty it, much how everything it, you say. And it is across. great that we do, and I, I do want to say this really quickly because I know I come across as, I had a friend call me anti-American the other day, and I was like, that's not really. Like, I love the fact that we live in a country where we can express our beliefs. I love that fact. I'm very grateful for that fact. Um, I just think we need to hold Christianity in America in, uh, accountable, and I think that's our responsibility as citizens. Uh, I was born here, therefore it is my job to make this better. Um, I mean, it's, technically it's everyone's job, but it's my responsibility especially because I have the privileges and rights of being born here. Um and I think that's everyone's job is to try yeah. to make it better, not to not to stagnate it um, or to make it great again necessarily, but to make it better. I don't think we should ever move backward. We always have to move forward, always have to move um, in a positive, you know, onward and upper, upward trajectory. And so I think this is part of it. Like that's why we have to talk about this because this is our responsibility beyond the fact that we are – pastors, and this is, I believe, a spiritual issue, I think it really is our responsibility to say, are we doing this the best way we can? Um, and and just have that question out there and to start answering it. Yeah. To, to not only ask it, but also start answering it and being like, yes, no, yes in this way, no in this way. Yeah, I, I, I think we, I mean, we definitely have a right to, to be involved in, in dialogue, and we, I think we have an obligation and a duty to I don't know that everyone can be equally passionate about every single topic ever. Of course. Of like, course. there's no way. And there is such a thing as outrage fatigue, which a lot of people have been feeling over the last couple of years, which is just one thing after another, and it just wears you out. And you're like, I can't keep being... Net neutrality is a perfect example of it, because all the all the, um, all the the campaign stuff that happened, all the campaigning that happened up to the net neutrality votes, the people were just sick. Like, I was tired of seeing it. I was just like, can we stop voting on this? Like, I, I can't keep calling. Is I don't already doing this. I thought I thought we dealt with this. I thought this was over. I thought, like, yeah. yeah, and it's never over. And you're, you're just like, well, then what's the point? And, what's and, the point? And I think so many other things happen that kind of put it in perspective where it's like, okay, I'll pay a little more for my like. I understand why it's important to keep net neutrality and all that, but it's like, I, I you know, at the end of the day, the perspective that it has is like, yeah, this is a problem. It's starting to go, to, but like, there are bigger things. There are more important things to be angry about. Um, well, I agree and disagree with that. I, I, this yeah. isn't about net neutrality, but, but yeah, but I understand yeah. what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. Which, which is a good segue because like when it comes to immigration, you, this is something that I think we can get a lot of fatigue on. And so I think that's why we have to talk about it. So, okay, let's, let's jump. So I don't know why I keep yawning. Uh, immigration is this multifaceted thing, right? And, and, and for me, when I, when I look at, okay, so before I say what I'm about to say, there, there's one saying that is always that has completely transformed my life, and it's, you are not stuck in traffic, you are traffic. Realizing that you're a part of whatever you're analyzing, you're a part of whatever's going on. So when I say both sides, I'm on, I'm in somewhere. It's not like I'm removed from both sides, or I think or pretend like I'm removed and I can just look at them objectively. That's not it. But what I will say is both sides of the argument seem to uh, about immigration control about immigrant about separating families from the border. Like I can see merits in both arguments and there are things that that are on both sides that I think are, are worth being addressed. And so it's hard. Cause like I see, I, I see people saying, okay, well we, we need to protect our families. We need to protect our borders. We need to protect our country. And I get that. Right. I, I, I definitely get that. But then there's the side of, the fact that this is a nation of immigrants, this is a nation built on the backs of immigrants. This is uh, a nation like, and, and and beyond that, like you're talking about things that are literally just made up, right? Like we made up our borders, and we made like every country has made up its borders, and the idea that and, you're a citizen seems so just like arbitrary almost. And historically. That's, this is not a new statement. I mean, it's one of the oldest statements, literally. Um, they like This is the same argument that was used with Canada. This is the same argument used 
you know, against the natives when they were expanding into Ohio, you know, from the original 13 colonies and, and that area. This was the same argument used when they were expanding into Texas and the Western colonies and the Dakotas. And, like, this is literally the same thing they have said when they started the Mexican-American War. Like, this, this is not a new... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone's acting like this is kind of a new like like all of a sudden it's like oh well you know we're we're trying to do it's like no that you're you're literally copying and pasting what every person and every generation has said on their own like the first anti-immigration bill was against Chinese Americans because they were coming over into California because of the 49ers rush. Um, and the gold rush then. And it literally was like, oh, they're taking American jobs. Um, they're dirty. They're bringing in disease. They're just gangsters. Like, it's literally the exact same rhetoric, the exact same arguments being used 150 years later. Like, mm. it's not new. Um, so it obviously, it, it, it's, it's something that bothers people. It's a human concern and fear. Yeah. I, once again, I don't know why I keep yawning. This is ridiculous. I bore you. I get it. My face That's... is, I have a boring face. <laughs> well, so let's, let's kind of talk about then immigration from the point of our worldview, which is Christianity and Adventism. And uh, let's jump in there. So when we talk about immigration... And we're talking about the U.S., right? So that's that's kind of our our framework, our worldview right. here, or, our, or the lens we're looking at this from. So American Western Christianity. We talk about immigration and the Bible. What is immigration in the Bible? What where? What are some examples of it, or some examples of it being controlled? What are some examples, one way or the other, about immigration? So they don't use the word immigration. Um, that's a modern word. Um, it's like I mean I'm not going to go down. Oh, this so it doesn't hole. speak on it then. Yeah, I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole. But like the the Bible doesn't speak about dinosaurs, um, because the word was invented in the 1800s. You know what I mean? So like personally, I think that they're mentioned in the Bible if you look at the actual descriptions of stuff. But I'm like, people are like, well, dinosaurs aren't mentioned in the Bible. Yeah, because the Bible was written before. The Roman Empire was finished. Like you idiot. Like so, it's not well, going to mention. I had, the word a, I had that, a friend say, like, you can't get tattoos because the Bible literally says you can't, like, not to tattoo yourself, and it uses the word tattoo. And I'm like, no, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> no, <laughs> I guarantee no, you that word doesn't because that, that word did, comes did, from you know the the yeah, it didn't exist. The uh, the um, Polynesia, like that's a that's a. That's a, that's a word that's, that was, it's literally tatao. It's from, you know, anyway. Um, yeah, I just, I, uh, yeah, people, people. And, and that's the other thing I think we need to realize with the Bible is um, the Bible was written in different languages and different cultures. And I've mentioned this before. But when it comes to immigration, the word that it uses is aliens. That's the word or, it uses. What about um, sojourner? And sojourner Are you talking travelers. About, like, the- yeah, are you those talking are, about the literal like, like those are the those are the words that describes when it talks about immigration. When you look up those words, like the traveler, the um, outsider, the the alien, um, those words uh, happen very often, quite a bit actually. Um, and I, I wanted to go through like several examples, but the reality is, if you guys just do a simple search um, of the word, either aliens or sojourners or um, like anything like that in the Bible, you're going to come up with a bunch of different verses. I mean, literally just read through Exodus, um, especially kind of the last, like where it starts mentioning like the specifics of the law or Leviticus or the rereading of the law in Deuteronomy. Like you read through that, you're going to get a ton of stuff about how to treat these outsiders, the people, you know, within your gates. Um, The Bible is written from a culture of hospitality. Of hosting, so you you like the Middle East culture is one of, um, if you see someone traveling along, you invite them in. So you get like the very first kind of immigrant story we have, which kind of isn't an immigrant but an outsider. You get you have Abraham sitting outside his tent, and he sees these two guys traveling, and he rushes to him and like begs them, please come into my tent, like eat with me, let me feed you, let me give you water. Like you guys have been traveling a long way, like it is my responsibility to take care of you. 
And that's the mentality that goes through throughout the Bible. Like that's the mindset. So when you read about things like outsiders and things like that, this is the mindset that they came from. Um, then you have the whole, I mean, just look at the entire clan, uh, Joseph's entire family gets moved. Well, I mean, I mean, Abraham's whole journey, he's an immigrant his entire life. Um, his family are basically immigrants, um, except for one generation. Jacob settled down, and then... Even he, like, he kind of didn't either because his his family killed a bunch of men in a city, so they had to move. Um, that's a fun story. So, like, he's constantly moving his entire life. And they finally settle down in Egypt, where they are immigrants. And then, oddly enough, they're immigrants there for a while. And then um, there's a change in leadership. And they're like, yeah, you guys are going to work for us now for free. Um, and they get made to be slaves. And so you have like 400 years of slavery. Um, and then you get another immigrant story, which is odd because they're actually immigrating back to where they came from. But the reality is if you've lived somewhere for over 400 years, like you come from there now, right? Like these people that are like, my family came over on the Mayflower, but I'm Irish. Like, no, no, you're not. You're not Irish. At this point, you're American. Like you, that's where your family may have come from, but you are no longer like, you're not Irish. Yeah. You understand your great, 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 great grandfather once kissed the Blarney stone. That doesn't, you're not, no, stop wearing green. Like you are American now. Um, and that's why you get into trouble with people like, well, I don't want to talk about this too, too much, but like the Israel, the Israeli Palestine, like conflict, and I think a lot of people don't realize, like, Palestinians have been there. Like, they, ha they can trace their family roots almost back a thousand years, some of these people. And they're like, my family has owned this land for, like, 30 generations. And then the British came in and were like, nope, they don't anymore. Like, you kind yeah. of understand where they come from. And I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to go into this as far as, like, who's right or who's wrong. But you kind of are like, well, they've been here for a long, long time. Um and so you had this with Moses, where they all of a sudden traveled back, and, and now they're Egyptians immigrating to Canaan. Um, and you just have them back and forth. You have the exiles. You have the story of Ruth. You have the story of Esther, where they're immigrants to Babylon. Um, and it's a forced immigration, but it's an immigration nonetheless. And God tells them, don't integrate. Like, don't, you know, like, don't, don't get ready because you're coming back. Like, I'm, I'm going to bring you back. Um, you know, and then you, ha and then you have orders to be like, nah, no, build businesses where you're at because you you're going to be here for a little bit. So you get these different feels of, of God talking about immigration, even within the Israel, um, context of you're going to come back, but while you're there, become a part of society, be a productive part of the society you're in. Um, you know, Daniel was an immigrant and, and to be honest, this is interesting. He had persecution as a high government official, simply for being an immigrant. Um, yeah. You know, and, and that is just, it's so fascinating to me that we kind of don't talk about that. We think that they hated Daniel because he was religious, because that's how they used it to go after him. But the reality is they went after Daniel because he wasn't one of them. Yeah. Um, he was an immigrant. He was an outsider. He was incorruptible. And so that's why they went after him. Well, and even it's interesting in Babylon's, you know, uh, thing of uh, of assimilate or method of assimilation of changing your name of changing yeah. basically your entire identity. If you're going to live here, which by the way we make you live here, we're also going to make you change your name and change yeah. everything about you. You I have mean, to play you, by our you rules. You hear stories now. about like immigrants coming in the 1800s and they'd be like, "What's your name? Pulowski. Okay, Pullman." And, and like, yeah, exactly. Like, like how'd your family get this name? Well, they couldn't spell Rosniakashka. So they just called us Will, like, or something. And, and you, you get stories like that where they change it, and you're like, now you're American, and you're going to, you know, sound like this. And, and but, yeah, the Bible doesn't speak at all about things we deal with today. No, no, it's no, not, not right at all. It's it just a bunch of weird commentary stories. Or anything. So, yeah, yeah and, and I think that those are just examples from the Bible. It doesn't talk about the positive well, or negative effects. That's just immigration existed in the Bible. And then you have the big one that everyone talks about, which is um, 
Jesus. Yeah, that's what I was about immigrant. to say. Jesus was an immigrant. And beyond that, he was a refugee. Yeah. Yes, he was. He was Absolutely. fleeing from violence and persecution. <laughs> you know... <laughs> that like that Ryan's, Ryan's laughing because he sees my face and like I, I'm just I'm trying to hold back I'm trying to be no, no, as, this is it's I, absurd if you I, hold I, back I don't believe that we need to be civil but I am trying to be like the whole like be so I that's a dumb argument nothing's ever been civil civil people never get anything done um I think you shouldn't be like violent but but like to me I'm trying to be so respectful with this because I understand that there's some people who who don't get this but in my head i just jesus was a brown refugee i i i just don't understand how people don't get that and to me see to me and i had this argument with my brother um a lot of people believe that idolatry is putting anything above god and i go i disagree with that that's the first commandment the first commandment is don't put anything above me you shall have no other gods before me. Like I, there's, I'm number one. Yeah. I'm top. There's no other gods. And beyond that, it's like, I, it's not just like, oh, I'm the number one in the pantheon, which is Mon, M- Moneus, or I don't know. I just studied this, but I don't pay attention to classes. Um, he's the only one. So he goes, I'm it. Idolatry is don't make anything, don't don't make any graven images, which is basically saying don't try to make me into your image. So for us, we don't make graven images anymore, but we definitely try to make God in our image. And I see this more often than not in the Anglicism and I mean white Jesus. Caucasianism, yeah, of white Jesus. Which is not to say that I I understand you want Jesus to look like you. It's not about the skin color. It's about the perception and mentality that they have. Jesus did not come from England. Jesus was not a Republican. Jesus was not a Democrat. Uh, Jesus was not like he was who he was. Do not try to put him in your image. Let him speak for himself. He did uh, a lot. Um, and so this is the the problem is that we, we anglicized like in – the white evangelical community, we anglicize Jesus. And I say we, I am not an evangelical. I should explain that. We're more mainline. Um, but, you know, they, I guess, sort of, in the, in, the, in the white Christian church overall, we anglicize Jesus in yeah. his politics, in his understanding, in his... Um, you know, I, I just go back to the prosperity gospel. I mean, the prosperity gospel is not unique to the U.S., but it is very unique in the U.S. in its English, in, in, the, in the way that it takes, like the anglicizing of it, which is you just work hard. You just keep working hard, and God will honor you working really hard, whether that's paying your dues or whether that's um, praying or whether that's a faith statement or whatever. Like you have to do work, and God will pay that, versus in, in other countries, they do that their way. But we anglicize Jesus, and and that is breaking the second commandment. And so, to me, I just I go back to with refugees. I'm like, Jesus was a brown refugee. Like, yeah. that's who he was. That's his story. Um. So when you take a Jesus and you use your Christianity, like one of our, when you use Christianity, like one of our recent leaders of our country did to try to back anti-immigration and anti-refugee laws, you were quite literally going against Jesus' story. Um, beyond the things that he told us, just flat out, even if Jesus did say things like that, um, you're going against his story. It wouldn't make sense for him to be anti-immigrant because he was an immigrant. It would be very hypocritical for him to be anti-refugee because he was a refugee. Yeah, you know. Well, and and this is this is what's interesting though. So we have to be careful because we, if we talk about like most people I talk about are not anti-immigration necessarily. They're just anti-open border or yeah. anti like they're, they're for immigration as long as right. they're properly vetted. 
The problem with properly vetted is okay. So I mean, let's let's take a the example of a refugee, right? If someone comes in and 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 what's the what's the they claim, what do they claim when they hit a port of, a port of entry, um, asylum? Yeah, they say they're seeking asylum, and so they show up, they seek asylum. Well, it, the way that it's currently set up until it's fixed is that they they have to already cross the border illegally in order to claim asylum, which means that they're already a criminal before they can even claim that they're seeking asylum, and then they're treated as a criminal instead of the refugee seeking asylum. Like, if if, if we want to play by that rule, fine, okay, but Jesus is running away from a government, has to show up and then say to government, I'm running away. (laughs) Like, Please let me live here. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, there's a problem. So there... Look, I, I'm for immigration. I'm also for vetting to some extent, but I'm not for making it a $10,000 process over 10 years that takes um, most a lot of immigrants, at least from our southern borders, and that, or that come through our southern borders, I should say, though it's from all over the world, do come from low income. Like, I couldn't afford to immigrate somewhere at $10,000, even over 10 years. Like, that's, that's just insane. And, and that process, like Cause, cause what you're trying to escape, are at, are at, yeah, yeah. Well, and what you have to escape is is ten years worth of, like you're still stuck in it for ten years. Yeah. So I think I think the system needs to be reworked. But I agree with you in that it does not make sense to claim our Christianity as a way to fight against immigration when we our entire faith base is based on the story of an immigrant or a migrant refugee. Which like that's, I, I have to explain, I have heard people who are against immigration. Yeah, yeah, no, I have too. I'm saying most of yeah, the time. Most, like most are people, not, and I will agree yeah. with you on that. I'm just saying there are people who do, and I'm like, I, I you, you, like, whew, ah. I just wanted to, like, the thing is, it's it's kind of like Facebook. They hear this and like, well, I'm not that way, so they're not talking about me. And I'm like, yeah. well, kind of. Um, <laughs> well, kind Listen of. to our This Is Not Us podcast yeah. uh, well, and episode. This, well, and... So I look at something like the Sabbath, which I think is, I think there are two great equalizers in Christianity. I think it's grace, right? Salvation by grace from, from I think that's number one, that levels the playing field. But number two, I think the Sabbath is the great equalizer because yeah. uh, Exodus 20, verse 10, the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner or the stranger who is within your Gates. Alien, like every single yes, yeah, yeah alien immigrant you you put whatever word you want there you're probably right if you're describing someone who is a foreign to the place they're in and this is like that's really significant it's it's saying that we have to be aware conscious of we have to be not not just aware and conscious of but actively providing space for rest for the stranger that is within our gates did it say that the safe stranger did it say the stranger that won't hurt you? Did it say the stranger yada yada yada? Like, like that's it doesn't. It just says the sojourner who is within your gates, and we don't. I mean, that's to me, Adventists speaking out against immigration like goes against the very core, one of the very things that makes us unique. I think that that, that like, that's just amazing to me. Yeah. Well, and beyond that, the fact that we as Adventists are world church, and as Christians are world church, like. We are a fraternity. Like, I get that we're in the majority right now. Like, a third of the world is Christian. So we tend to feel like, well, it's kind of everybody. But people don't understand. Like, there is something unique about being a Christian. And we've lost that fraternity because we, we've created so many differences. And we focused on so many little details. And I, and I get that those details are important. Like how you interpret Christ and all these different things, like those are important. And I'm not saying we need to just eliminate all borders because, you know, I'm going to get accused of being, you know, a Jesuit and all this different stuff. But um, like, I'm not saying find our differences, but there's a fraternity to being a Christian. And beyond that, there's an even bigger fraternity to being an Adventist because we are literally a world church. Like there are two churches in the world that are, in over 200 countries, it's us and the Catholics. That's it. Like, nobody else is even close. And so for us to say we don't like immigrants or outside people, I'm like, well, that's even dumber than most people saying it. Because we're friggin' in all the... Yeah. Like, we don't have, like, oh, well, I'm an American. At, there's no such thing as American... Like, there's American Methodist. 
and they are Methodists who are only American. We don't have that in our church. There is no, like, we are Adventists, and that's it. And, and you know, I, I want to say something really quickly about protection and fear. Where in the Bible does it say God is going to keep you safe? Where does it say Christianity is safe? Where, where does it say that it's going to be something that's safe, and you're going to be fine, and you're going to be okay? And as it's well, in all those and, and Bible texts that we take out of context and claim as promises to See, us. I, that's where it is. Our safety doesn't come in something we do. Our safety comes in from God. Now, granted, I'm a single dude without a family, okay? I will fully admit that. I will fully admit that things might change when I have kids. I have two uh, younger foster brothers. Um, they, are, they are our kids for, for all intents and purposes. And I worry about them because they do not live with us and they go to another country um, that is safe where they're at. They're in a small town, but it's in a country that has a lot of turmoil right now. So I, I understand, and I understand the idea of wanting to keep them safe, but at the same time, our safety doesn't come in what we do. That's why when the—I the, won't talk about this too much, but there's another rabbit hole. But when we talk about firearms and that debate, and people go, well, it's to keep me safe. I go, if you're a Christian, live by the sword, die by the sword. Where's, you know, your faith in having something that's going to, quote-unquote, keep you safe should come from God. Like, that should be it. Well, and and what gets me, and this is, I've, I wanted to bring this up, I didn't know how to segue, so this is perfect. Like, not only does your safety not come from you, but in terms of faith, your freedom did not Thank come you. from you. All right, you don't earn it. But on top of that, in this country, the fact that you live in a free country did not come from you. It came from someone who lived long before you and fought for the freedom. Like, you are living on something that you didn't necessarily earn even your even now now hold on hold on now, now, now someone is probably mad and thinking well i work for what i have and i listen yes there are and i fought for my country and i'm a, I'm a war veteran okay great keeping our country free takes work continued work but the fact that it's free in the first place came from work that we didn't do number one and number two the very fact that you can work and pull up your bootstraps and do all these things comes from a foundation that was laid from someone else you did not grant you your freedom. Someone else did. And this is what this is what annoys me because like I'm actually preaching on this tomorrow, right? So it's July 6th. So when this episode airs, I'll have preached on it two days ago. So, so I preached so, on this two days ago in my church. So Ryan might not have a job. Um no no no. <laughs> like like what do we use our freedom for? Yeah. And Christianity over and over again in, in, in the scriptures it says uh, even in Galatians 5, it says use your freedom not to indulge in whatever you want, but to look after someone else and yeah. to love your neighbor. Yeah. Like there's there's this repeated theme of taking care of others and that your freedom is not just so you can keep what you get, but your freedom is to be used so that you can set others free, right? So it's this chain of I've been set free, so I'm going to free someone else. But when we have the American dream mindset of I freed myself, I earned what I get, I do what I want because I earned that right and we have ownership of it, then suddenly we we say, well, I got mine. Now they have to get theirs. And honestly, I see this from I see that mindset from immigrants as well. Like so, I see that I actually see that mindset from people who immigrated here 30, 40 years ago, twenty years ago, ten years. They say, well, I went through it fair, so now these other people have to as well. Like these other people have to do the exact same thing I did because I did it, and I don't want my effort and all the things that I did disrespected. I get that. Like I get I get that feeling of of ownership. I get that feeling of not wanting to be devalued and like I understand that. But when we recognize that our freedom is not our own or we didn't get it for ourselves but that it even the opportunity for freedom was granted to us, then suddenly it doesn't like our mindset should shift with that realization and it should become about okay, if I was set free, right? And if I'm a Christian and was set free in my faith, then I should look to help set others free. I was listening to the Bad Christian podcast. Yes, I listened to it. You can get in trouble for me, or you know, you can get me in trouble later. Costi Hinn, the nephew of Benny Hinn, was on uh, was on the podcast just just this week talking about, and, and Costi has left Benny Hinn's ministry and, and, and was saying Benny Hinn yeah, it's, it's a fascinating knowingly story. doing some bad. It's an amazing story, right? Well, he said, he's like, they, they asked him, well, how do you feel knowing now that you don't have the money and access to things you did? like the things you had before, like a solid gold toilet and 
like a bathtub and a shower and, you know, driving a Mercedes as soon as you turn 16. And that's like the lowest level car you drive. Right. Like, like, how do you go from that to and now? We're not exaggerating. iPhone. That. Like literally and, no, that's that literally bad. the story that he tells. And they ask him, like, what, how do you, how do you react to, you know, not having any of that anymore? You don't even have iPhones, anything like that. And he said, look, I think having a lot of money is a curse because if you have a lot of money, then Jesus asks more of you. Because if you've been set free, the more you've set, been set free, the more you should seek to set others free. And I just, I just found that so interesting. He's like, I don't want a lot of money because I know if I do, I have to absorb the world that comes with that, which means that, and I'll have a greater burden of responsibility on myself to give and to take care of others. He's like, so I'm fine staying where I am because which is it a little means bit that of God, a cop out, but yeah. yeah, it is. But it's like he's like, I'm I'm fine where I am because I still help others, but I'm not caught up in the in the temptation of having a ton of money. Yeah. To only yeah. provide for that's what he's saying. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't want the temptation no, sure. to yeah, not yeah. take care of others because I have enough for me. Um and, which is and there, so that's which is totally there. Yeah. So that's um, I, I, I misrepresented there at the first part, but I think I wrapped it around. But that's that's huge yeah. to me. Like our freedom is n- not to be used to just take care of ourselves, but to set others free. You know, it's one of the big things that God brings out when you read through the early Exodus understanding and how you're to treat pardon me, foreigners and immigrants and outsiders and aliens, he goes, do not put them down. I wish I had the verse for this. I should have looked it up. Do not put them down because you yourselves were immigrants. And I greased the wheels for you. And it's exactly what you're talking about. God's literally like, no, 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 no. You didn't earn anything. I gave this to you. I opened those doors. I made it happen. So don't you dare treat somebody else this way. Um, you know, for you when you were foreigners in the land of Egypt, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's kind of this idea like, uh, you know, why would you not want to make it easier for those who follow behind you? I don't understand that concept. Um, you know, I, I have not had a super difficult journey to becoming a pastor. Um, I know how to make connections. I know how to meet people. I know who to meet. Um, but I've always taught people who to come to me and ask me. I'm like, I'm not going to recommend you for a job because I don't have any weight in that area. But here's what you need to do. Like, here's like I always like. I don't view it as a competition or someone gave the wrong job because I'm like God's going to find he's he's going to put me in a place where I need to be even if it's not working as a pastor like I'm going to find myself in a place where I need to be why would I not want to make it easier for other people like yeah. why would I not want to make it easier why would I not want to help you I know how difficult it is like let me let me ease your burden a little bit because the currency of Christianity is compassion the, the currency of heaven, the currency of Christi- Christianity is compassion. And if you don't have it, then you don't understand the entire concept of what we're trying to sell, of what we're trying to work with. If you don't have compassion for other people, if you don't see someone and, and want to help them, well, like, that's, that's the thing that I looked at. You know, there are three very distinct places in the Bible that Jesus talks, or, or in the New Testament, that specifically talk about this. Um and James, you know, John and James especially talk about these things where he's, John's like, if you, I actually want to read it. Let me actually read it because it's like, it's so powerful. Um, because First John 3, right? First John three sixteen. By this we know love, that he, Jesus Christ, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother or sister in need, yet closes their heart against them, how does God's love abide in them? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And to me, that's so huge. You know, James goes on this the same. You know, if you show partiality, you are committing a sin and are convicted by the laws of transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty in all of it. And and he goes on like this is a James two, you know, fourteen. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith? but does not have works. Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, but without giving them the things they need for their body, what good is that? So yeah. faith by itself does not have works, is dead. If it does not have works, is dead. Like, it's super clear to me in the Bible that if you look at somebody 
who has a need and you disdain them or you, by the way, our immigration policy is totally rigged for the wealthy. Just know that. It doesn't take someone with money 10 years to become an American citizen. Know this. Know it. No, it's right towards the people who will positively benefit our economy immediately. Thank you. It is disgusting to me that we do this. And it literally is, it literally is going against the Bible. So if you, and I I will go as far as to say this, I am going to, I'm going to go there. If you look at immigration and refugees and your heart does not break and you want to help them as much as you can, you are not going to make it into heaven. Understand this, know this, be afraid of this. I'm not saying that you have to actively work for them. I think you should where you can. But if your heart doesn't break, if you look at them and think, yeah, we need to kick them all out, you're not getting in. Yeah, I think, well, I think we come at it from the wrong perspective too. And I, and I see this on that side of, well, we need to protect our borders and protect our families is we don't come from the perspective of compassion for the migrant. We come from the perspective of how we are going to be affected by whatever happens. And you look at something like the Good Samaritan story where, uh, you know, the Samaritan pays for someone else, takes care of someone else. You look at Paul who sends Onesimus back to uh, Philemon and says, and says, hey, whatever he owes, charge it to my account, right? You take, you, you see these regular people saying, how can I do what's best for someone else, even at my own expense, right? Even at, even at my own literal expense or expense of safety or time or whatever, even yeah. at my own loss. And that it's a significant mindset because like I look at migrants and say, yeah, that's terrible, but uh, my family needs to be, be safe here. And I get it. I'm not saying like I want to endanger everyone. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be any vetting process. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is let's make it as easy as possible, as simple as possible, as accessible as possible for someone to to gain or access the freedom that you also have. That's what I'm for. Let's make it as easy, simple, and accessible as possible to give access to the same freedom that you have. Like my, that's my, that's what I, that's where I am. I, I'm 100 percent with you. My other thing is this: look, God is not going to judge you on whether or not your family was safe. And I understand wanting to be safe. I, I get that, but He literally said, "If you follow Me, the world is going to hate you, and they're going to come after you." Blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. If something happens to you, and I understand this is a very patronizing way to say this as a single white male, but if something comes to you and and hurts you because you opened up and were compassionate, know that I 100% guarantee God is going to not only visit blessings upon you, but he is going to... He is going to show you in a way and use that in a way that is going to become a blessing to so many other people. And if yeah. you're a Christian, that should be your mentality. Your mentality should not be, what do I get out of this? But rather, how can I bless other people? Yeah. Because um, that's the currency. That's the denomination that we play with. Those are the 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 the, the Jesus bucks that we we hand out Jesus is, bucks. is compassion is looking at somebody else and saying, God has blessed me so much. I, I love the prayer of Jabez. I mean, you remember when that was a big kick about, I don't know, 10 yeah. years ago? I love that prayer. And I think it's, again, ironic that so many people took it as a prosperity gospel thing. I go, no, 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 no. Listen to what it actually says. For those of you who don't know, it's in Chronicles. Um, you can just type in Jabez in any search and, and you find it. J-A-B-E-E, uh, J-A-B-E-Z. Jabez is, is pain. It literally means that we're pain because his mom had a painful birth. And he goes, God... I want to not cause pain. So bless me, expand my tent, right? Expand my reach, give me money, give me power, give me influence so that I can help others not have pain. It's the Batman concept. Batman uses his money and his wealth and his power to make sure that nobody ever has to go through what he went through again, which is losing his parents. And, and watching his parents die, which is why well, he doesn't kill, which is why mm, the whole WB universe right now doesn't get it. And I'm just very frustrated, Zack Snyder. 
Won't get into that rabbit hole. Wait, Batman has killed a million times, and there's a YouTube video of them counting the amount of times he kills people in all of the Batman movies. Not, not in. Excuse me, not in Batman the Animated Series, and okay, not yeah, in any and, of the comics. DC, DC does an amazing job in the comics. And Thank the, you. And animated universe. That's fair, but all the live action ones. Yeah, yeah. no, because they're dumb and they don't <sighs> understand. Batman doesn't kill because he doesn't. He he. It's so central to him that nobody has the yeah. pain that he went through. And he uses every available thing at his disposal to make sure no one else feels that pain, which is why he is so alone. Like, he does want to put others at risk, which is why he's always pushing other people yeah. away. Um, well, and there's a whole psychology many, behind that. How, but, but that's the mentality we need to have, which is I will use whatever blessings I have had to make sure that you, at the cost of my own mm, safety yeah. and security— because that is what Christianity is about. Well, and and how many people? Like I was just reading the other day of a of a like a nine year old or thirteen year old burn victim who's like face. I I don't know how else to describe this to you other than that like like it melted. Yeah, like it literally yeah, yeah, yeah. melted. I've seen that. And yeah. after a bunch of skin grafts, like her face is back pretty much to normal, minus the fact that you can obviously tell it looks like it looks like scarring. she has a skin condition, but yeah, not but that it she was horribly yeah. burned. Well, and now she wants to be a pediatrician. And it's like, how many stories of people being healed by a doctor and now them wanting to become a doctor? How many, how many stories of people wrongly convicted, set free by a lawyer, now decide, I want to be a lawyer and attorney for other people and set them free? Like, we have a close friend who almost died in a car accident. And because of her, the, the way that the, the, the PTs, the physical therapists helped her, she was like, I need to do this. Like, this is, what, this is amazing what they're doing. And she's now literally a PT because of that. Yeah, like, like this this narrative of you are you were freed now set others free, that's like a regular theme in our lives. Like that's the typical story, and yet we ignore it in our own faith, and that's amazing to me because that to me is is the driving force behind everything we do. That's the literally the the great commission is to is to spread the gospel, right? To make bat to make disciples and and baptize people. Why are we doing that? Unless we believe that that makes people's lives better, like our, like why are we doing that if we if 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 we don't believe it's setting people free from something? That's our entire mission, and yet we ignore it in this area. What's interesting to me is when when John the Baptist asked Jesus, "Are you the Messiah? Or should we wait for somebody else? Are you are you the one?" Notice what Jesus sends back to him. It he doesn't send back a list of doctrines, right? He doesn't send back a list of arguments. He sends back. I'm helping people. Do you see the people who are in need? Like, literally, yeah. he says, the blind see, the, the lame, lame walk. walk, the lepers are healed, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Because, why is that significant? Because only rich people could get into heaven back then. Like, in that culture, the ones who were rich had God's blessing, quote, unquote, which is, funny enough, still a mentality we have today. And... And Jesus goes, no, do you see how I'm taking care of the least of these? Which, when we talk about the least of these, that's a Bible thing! Like, I yeah. just don't understand. So that's my thing when we talk about immigration. And, and I understand we want to keep people safe. And I am not saying just let anybody in. I'm not saying that. I'm really not saying that. But what I'm saying is if you are a Christian, your mentality needs to err on the side of compassion rather than one of safety. And yeah. rather than one of me first, because a self-centered attitude is just, it is mutually exclusive with a biblical and Christian mindset because God is other centered. Like God is love. God is love. And I understand we're all working on different things. And this is not uh, uh, something to make other people feel guilt. Well, it is to make you feel guilty a little bit if it, if it puts you in the it's right direction. It's shame, but it's, yeah, guilt and shame are two different things. We've uh, talked about that. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with shaming people a little bit. A little bit, if if you feel shame because of the way you've perceived people before this, and it makes you change, then I'm okay with that. But this is not to simply to rag well, that, on that's you. That's guilt, though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, shame is shame thing. is a belief that there's something wrong with me. Guilt is yeah. saying there's something wrong with what I did. Okay, so okay, yes, because we had an episode on shame. Anyway, it's it's yeah, it's I, I'm not doing this to just make you feel bad, but understand this is this is a I want you to have a Christ-centered attitude. That's the whole reason that I exist as a pastor, is to bring people 
into line with how God thinks, because I believe that's going to make your life so much better. I'm an Adventist and a Christian because I believe it it makes me a better citizen. It it influences. Like, I absolutely believe that we should allow our Christianity to influence our policies. I'm 100% in on that. However, what's interesting to me is it can't be an anglicized Christianity. It can't be yeah. an idolatrous Christianity. It has to be a Christianity that comes from the Bible. People will take the Bible and use it without understanding what it actually means. And that's my problem is who is your God? Who's up front? Who's ahead of what God asks you to do? What are you putting ahead of him? Is it your safety? Is it your culture? Is it your politics? Is it your party on both sides of the coin? Is it your money? Is it your money? Is it your job? Honey, um, it's you. Is it me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a pretty good excuse. Not the, it's not... It's still an excuse and it's wrong, but I'm pretty good. If you, if you say it to me, then I'll, I'll, but no, like really, like what are you putting ahead of God? Because if for whatever reason that keeps you from heaven, you need to change that. You need to let that go for your safety. I'm not saying this because I have a, a passion in my heart for immigrants. I'm saying this because my Christianity gives me a compassion in my heart for immigrants and we need yeah. to do better about not only changing the system, but about how we treat them when they are here. How we look at them, our rhetoric about it. Because if all we do is focus on ourselves and how this affects me and how, oh, this is unsafe and how um, they're coming in to get me, God's going to take care of you. Know this. God is going to take care of you. It might not be great. You might never get rich, but he is more interested in making sure you get into heaven than in making sure you have a long, happy, healthy life here on earth. He also wants you to have that. I'm not saying God wants, yep. you know, Christianity is not just about, you know, pain and suffering and, um, you know, you know, uh, woe is me. It's not always about that. But know that God is going to take care of you. It's not going to be great, but he will make sure you are taken care of, especially if you step out in faith and say, you know what? I'm going to bring this in. I'm going to support this. I'm going to to make it easier and make myself vulnerable because God did that for me. Yeah. He did not have to come down and make himself vulnerable because if we really want to get deep about this, Jesus wasn't just an immigrant because he went from Palestine or Israel to Egypt. He was an immigrant because he was God from heaven and came down to earth. And his own did not receive him. So a citizen of heaven became a citizen of earth so that we could benefit. If that doesn't break your heart and make you want to show love to other people, I think you need to really reevaluate where your priorities are at. Well, and Jesus' Jesus's experience really speaks to what happens when you don't look for the best in immigrants. Because if you don't look for the best in Jesus, who's a citizen of heaven, then you end up crucifying him. So there's this... Uh, man, we could go on for hours on this, honestly. <laughs> like, like, okay, even John the Baptist, right? So you brought up John the Baptist, and, and Jesus replies to him, you know, the poor... Uh, the gospels preach to the poor, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are healed, that kind of thing, right? So he's 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 quoting two prophecies, Isaiah 35 and Isaiah 60. He's quoting those back to Jesus, saying, "Yeah, I'm the guy." But he leaves one part of that those prophecies out, which is, and the captives are set free. Mm -hmm. Now this is interesting because, and and I want to acknowledge this because if I don't, it's not being intellectually honest. Because if you just read that at face value, it counters everything I'm saying. Because Jesus was supposed to set him free. That's like that's not the kind of captive he was talking about. Um, which is why he so so Jesus doesn't quote that back to John because he's he literally is saying yes I'm the guy and you're going to die in prison in other words like you're not getting out of this one and the difference for this is that 
the captives that are being set free are those set are th- those in bondage to sin, are those in slavery and and, and and chains to to sin, right? This is a theme that Paul uses throughout Romans. Peter to, uses to, it. Yeah, yeah, everyone uses it, right? So th- that's the kind of captives that Jesus is is talking about. But here's what's interesting. John the Baptist is in prison mainly for his faith, right? And and because or as it's not, a result it's not mainly. Of his faith. I mean it's it's yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Like like it's because of his faith. And he was and a bit, a bit of a brusque personality. This actually speaks to us because basically John the Baptist was so committed to setting people free by paving the way for Jesus that he himself ended up not free. He himself, he sacrificed everything and ended up in captivity. And Jesus didn't set him free because Jesus isn't interested so much in how your life feels right now. He's interested in saving you for eternity. Which, like, he's not, by the way, Jesus says... Of people born of a woman, no one was higher than John. Yeah, and Jesus let and him die in prison. Yeah, there you go. Like I, so I, I, I wanted to be intellectually honest and 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 talk about that fact because that is easy. Uh, but that's what I'm saying. John was actually in captive because he was so dedicated to set setting others free that he ended up in captivity himself. And and Jesus still praises him, and his eternity is secured. And if we're Christians and thinking about eternity, like we should be eternity minded. Because this life isn't all there is in our worldview and in our perspective and beliefs. So absolutely, that should be a factor in what we do. And, and I want to say something really quickly. This is an absurd mindset. I hate you. No, but in, in all seriousness, <laughs> yeah. in all seriousness, I'm not ragging on people for watching a certain news network and friends um, that has this rhetoric poured to them. I'm not ragging on anybody for listening to another, you know, for, for, for someone who is afraid and who is like, these immigrants are coming and taking our jobs. I'm not ragging on you. That is a very natural fear. Okay. That is something that is natural. It's throughout humanity. It's not just America. Germany's dealing with this. Brexit is all about this. Um, and we could do a whole podcast about that. I mean, this is not ju- – we're talking about it from just an American mindset because that's where we're at. But understand, every country deals with this. When I was in Israel, um, they were talking about, okay, does the Israeli defense force, is it only there to protect Israelis who are in Israel or is it also there to protect Jews around the world? I mean, this was literally a class they took. Uh, I was talking to a soldier and they go, yeah, we just were studying this because there are Jews in you know, uh, Kurdistan – or not Kurdistan, but uh, like different places around the world that are being persecuted. And the Israeli army had just gone down to Kenya or Ethiopia, got a bunch of Jewish, you know, Africans and brought them back up and made them immigrants. And there were a bunch of people fighting whether or not they should have done that. So this is not unique to us. It is a very human fear, but Christianity calls us to be absurd. It is, it, it takes everything and flips it on its head. So it is a very difficult thing that we are asking you to do, that not us, that God and Jesus is asking you to do. It's a hard saying. Mm-hmm. And so I understand people who have a lot of fear about this. And I know they probably checked out a long time ago. We should have started with this, I guess. But if you stuck around long enough and and you, you might be feeling angry right now and persecuted and 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 vindictive and attacked— but understand, I under, I am saying I relate to your fears. You're not crazy to have those fears. Those are very natural human fears. Christianity calls you to be bigger than that. The kingdom of heaven is a radical change from humanity. Uh-huh. And so your fears and your concerns need to be different. Do not fear that which can destroy the body, but fear which that can destroy the soul. This is what God is calling you to. And it is, a, it is an absurd mindset. It is a crazy, radical thing. And Paul, Paul says it. I mean, he's like, to those who don't believe, it's insane. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. But for those who do, when you get it, you understand it, it becomes very clear. That is what we're trying to call it. We're not trying to, this is, fear, this is natural. This is, I understand. But step out in faith so that you can truly become free the way that God intended you. Yep. Um, so 
on that note, I think that's a good note to end on. And I love that entire rant, not to completely like do away with it or like devalue it, but typically the people that listen to this podcast are the ones that already agree with us. I, so. I know, uh, I know, but just no, in I, case. And like I said, I mean, they probably checked out 35 uh, minutes ago, like, oh, the typical uh, snowflake, blah, 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 blah. But like, no, I, I agree with you. Like, I hope you stuck with us. I hope you stuck with us. Yeah. And like, we didn't even talk about policy. That's what I love. No. Like we did not. We talked about your heart for immigrants. That's what we talked about. So that's that, that's and, and and immigration in 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 our faith. So that's 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 what we talked about. So we didn't even get we got political, but we didn't get that political. We and this is what I love about Christianity. It just lays the truth out there, and then it, the truth condemns who it will. Right? Like that's just what it does. All the convicting does not happen in our words, but it happens in like the truth of what's being said. And I love that. Yeah. So. Absolutely. With that, thank you guys so much for listening to Absurdity, and I'm going to change the name now if this pun keeps... I'm just kidding. I'm not going to change the name, but thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to support us financially, you can head on over to patreon.com slash absurditypodcast and sign up and donate monthly. Every dollar goes back into this podcast, and it is a huge help. We have... Excuse me. We have awesome things coming. We have new t-shirts coming for patrons. We have mugs that you can get as well. And we have Patreon-specific episodes. Last week, Tony and I recorded the second one that we're going to be releasing soon. We're talking about deconstruction and reconstruction and uh, in regards to your faith. Of your faith, right? yeah. So, uh, we're, so you can listen to those, too, when they release soon. But every dollar goes back into this podcast, and it really helps us keep the lights on. Follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, any podcatcher app. If you follow us on iTunes, please, please, please leave a review. It really helps us out. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback for the show, email me, ryan180becker at gmail.com. Or you can follow Tony on Twitter. Tony, what's your Twitter? T-O-N-Y underscore A-N-O-B-I-L-E. Or just look up the new Dr. Jones. Or myself at ryan180becker. Or just look up at ryan180becker. I really just wanted to be redundant there. So thank you guys so much for listening. We love doing this. We love talking about these things, and we hope to continue it. Thank you so much for your support, and we will see you next week. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.